Welcome to the Earthborn Games podcast. This is episode zero. I'm sitting here on Zoom with uh, three guys who work on the game. I don't exactly know what they all do, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be like you, the audience, and I'm gonna figure it out. Um, we've got Andrew Fisher. Hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. He's got an awesome. If you're watching this, I'm I'm trying to record this. If you're watching this, he's got the the sexiest background of all of us. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the, the real gamer background going on. <laughs> but he doesn't he doesn't stream apparently. I think he maybe has a secret uh Twitch channel. Um and then we've got Andrew Navarro. How you Hello. doing? I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing, Anders? I'm good. Um did you have a good dinner tonight? I I didn't have dinner tonight. Why not? My fam my fam well, because we're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna pass out on us from yeah. hunger. Um, <laughs> I had a I had a bowl of cereal as I was taking a break and watching uh, the latest episode of Book of Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, maybe uh, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, sure. We can talk about that. <laughs> I don't really want to, but we can if you'd like to. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we've got Evan Simonet. Hey. Who, and uh, I don't have a question for you, man. <laughs> <laughs> we know each other. <laughs> you know about me. Andrew and I went to college together i said evan, evan? andrew evan yep evan sorry there's too many Andrews <laughs> on this and i'm andres carlson i am a friend of evans and he asked me to run this podcast as kind of the i don't know the guy who doesn't know much about the game that can be like the listener um and ask you guys all about it and then we're going to talk about other stuff uh just stuff we like and i was going to say sh- shit we like <laughs> and I wasn't sure if um, we're swearing yeah, on this podcast I, or not. I, I think we can swear on this podcast. I, 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 I can't be uh, held responsible to, uh, I, I, you, you can't trust me to not swear. So I feel like <laughs> swearing is fine. Okay. And if, I, and if you want me to bleep it out later, that'll be like, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll discuss money. <laughs> so that's, that's at least like another hour, hour's worth of work. Um <laughs> So, guys, I'm going to ask you all a little uh, interview question here, um, sort of. Andrew Fisher, I don't know anything about you. Can you tell us what you do on Earthborn? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so, so first off, uh, you know, we've got uh, a couple Andrews on this podcast. So um, for, most, but for most people, I go by uh, Fisher, my last name, or Fish um, for short. So, uh, um People can feel free to call me that. It's uh, nice and easy and, and, and keeps me separated and avoids the issue of having a Andrew 1 or Andrew 2 or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, cool. Yeah. But uh, at Earthborn Games, uh, I am the game design director. Uh, is that my, my official title, Andrew? Yeah, that is your official title. Yeah. All right. Sweet. <laughs> um, I, I basically you know, just get to play the games all day long, um, is, is the, the classic joke from game designers. But uh, <laughs> Mostly, I spend most of my time designing games. Right now, you know, I've got my sleeves rolled up, and I'm uh, working on the game design for Earthborn Rangers. Uh, we just uh, started. We're we're just about to start wave two of testing. Um, a pretty exciting phase, and uh, we're, we're we're getting ready for that. So right now, I've got you know, I'm just doing game design work day in and day out. Um, but more broadly, I kind of handle a lot of the game design direction for Earthborn games. So any other products we do, I take care of uh, 
working with external game designers, approving the game designs, testing the game designs, getting rule books ready, uh, anything you can imagine for getting the games kind of working, feeling fun and balanced and uh, ready for people to learn. That's amazing. How was that answer? Was was that answer? Was I yeah. was I podcast amusing enough? Or oh was I? Uh, <laughs> well, I was thinking you job must... interview boring. <laughs> no, <laughs> job interview amazing. Actually, I was just thinking you must like nail a lot of job interviews, um, which brought you here probably. Um, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing that, Fish. Do you like <laughs> being called Fish? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't mind. That's great, Andrew. The other Andrew. The lead, yes. the lead man. Tell me about <laughs> tell me about yourself. Uh, I well, I'm Andrew Navarro. I'm the uh, you can call me Andrew. No one can. Some people call me Navarro, but I think most people who've called me Navarro uh, either do it if they don't like me or don't know me very well. <laughs> uh, yeah, you don't. You don't stress. I've never. I mean, personally, I've never felt like the kind of guy who could be, you know addressed by his last name that feels more like a, a jock or something do you feel that sure. that's, that's not who you are as a person <laughs> not like fish here is clearly a jock right <laughs> yeah super jock <laughs> uh, so i'm uh, i'm the uh, founder of earthborn games i'm also the uh, creative director so um that means that uh, i'm responsible for like the overall vision of uh, our products um uh, essentially overseeing um, really loosely the work that, you know, Fisher and, and Evan do, um, helping to keep everything cohesive and uh, really focused a lot on presentation, um, the artwork, the feel of the game, like the, the, uh, the setting, the vibe. Um, creatively, that's the thing that, I'm, that, I'm, uh, that I spend most of my time doing. Though practically speaking at the company, like I, I do all the administrative work um, I just spent the evening sending out uh, NDAs to everybody. Uh, I put together all the contracts. I do all the, you know, all the banking and I do all the customer service. Um, so yeah, we're, you know, we're a company of three people. So, uh, while we're all directors, we're also all the other things also. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. so when it comes to Earthborn Rangers, the big game, is it the only game you're working on right now? It's, it's the only game we're, well, we we have another game that's kind of cooking in the background, but this is mm. the uh, this is the main one. It's taking up you know the bulk of our time. Okay, that's top secret at this yeah. moment. Okay. Well, you know it, it won't be top secret after this podcast comes out. But that's right, right, but but there's no details yet. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna leak anything. Okay. <laughs> so when it comes to that game, Fisher, would you say you're more of the mechanics guy, and Andrew, you do more of the the look and the feel and the the vibe of it. Um, well, so, uh, you know, Evan does the, the look, I mean, that's right, his responsibility, right. which obviously he'll, he'll get to, um, but, uh, yeah, like working with Evan on the look, I mean, that's where my background is mostly is, uh, is the, is visual stuff. Um, but also experientially, uh, so, you know, as we work on the rule book, for example, in the campaign guide, you know, I'll spend a lot of time reading it, playing it, kind of giving my impressions about how I feel about the experience, you know, the mm -hmm. things I'd like, you know, things I feel like could could be better or things we, you know, we could improve, improve upon um, stuff like that. So that, you know, when the games in people's hands um, it's the closest to what I would like the experience to be as much as we can control that experience, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I think ultimately like when I, uh, especially for this game, um, a lot of it just comes down to is how it, how it makes me feel. 
Um, and then uh, hopefully that then translates um, when it, it gets in the hands of the public. Mm -hmm. So when the game is on the shelves, it'll have your name on it. So I, I don't think it's going to have anyone's name on it. Okay, because I, that's, a, that's a common thing, though, with like the kind of boutique games, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> putting the game designer credit on it. And, right. um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of uh, professional pride and uh, that goes into that. But I And uh, over the course of the last few years, people have started to add, like, an artist name and mm. different companies add other people to the, to the, to the box. Um, but I think on the box itself... I don't think it'll have, uh, you know, we haven't done, we haven't finished the box yet. So who knows, <laughs> but let's segue but, that into Evan then, huh? Yeah. But, but I think we're, we want to do something that's, uh, <laughs> that's more about like creating a cool, like uh, evocative uh, experience when you just, you're holding the thing in your hand. So I'd like it to be as sparse as, as possible with as, as little of the trappings of, you know, typical marketing as possible and all those credits and stuff will be on the inside. I think that's a good decision. Yes. Keep it mysterious. No humans touched this. <laughs> right. <laughs> it just spawned out of the ground as is. <laughs> so um, we were talking about the box art there, which Evan, you and I have talked a bit about. Um, you're, you're, you've been reworking the, the box art. Is yeah. That right. Yeah. You're telling um, me about the, the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. So um, I had a bit of a moment of inspiration a few months ago. Uh, after Andrew and I were talking about how the the current um, concept art for the box that we advertised on the Kickstarter, how it looked so much like so many other adventure card games and and that's um, the board games. That, that's the art where the the character is standing on the cliff, yep. right? Looking, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's yeah, it's and if you were to like search the box online, you'd see a lot of boxes like that characters in the foreground overlooking like a tower or a castle or something mountains and, and um, in effort to stand apart from those uh, other offerings, we came up with this idea to really channel this. Um, I got really enthralled by the, um, I believe is like the original printing of the dust jacket of the original printing of the Hobbit. Uh, and this, it has this cool, like uh, modernist, graphical style with really rudimentary shapes for mountains and trees and stuff. And uh, I thought it was really neat. I had, hadn't really seen that on any other board games. Um, although I will admit, I don't have <laughs> the exposure to like, I don't play as many board games and card games as probably Fisher or Andrew. Um, but I think it's a unique take. And we worked up a design for the, uh, expansion uh before the core box um so eventually i'll circle back and make a design kind of inspired by that dust jacket for the core as well um, yeah i just but, i just looked it up that's super cool I yeah love it's that. pretty wild that would definitely stand out on the shelves i think how do you well, oh, go ahead i was gonna say we got ahead of ourselves evan <laughs> yeah. why don't you uh tell the people uh what you do oh sure um so yeah, my, my title is uh, Visual Design Director, and uh, that's, I feel like that's, um, at the moment, it's a lot of illustration work, but it's slowly growing into art direction, and uh, well, obviously, since I'm working with the box, uh, graphic design as well, um, but mainly I see it as like kind of in trying to 
visualize and realize Andrew's uh, creative vision um, and have fun with it and hopefully uh, surprise him with new takes on what he had in mind for what the Valley is and who lives in it. And, um, you know, I, I think what, what I thought my role is going into this is probably going to feel a lot different by the time we're done, but I think it'll be for the better. And it's like pretty, pretty wild. <laughs> mm-hmm. so. You got a chance to do a little art directing. Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah. that's ramping up, um, quickly. Like I've been working with a few artists already, but, um, there'll be more and it's a lot of art that needs to get done. So that'll be taking up a good bit of my time as yep. a visual design director. That's right. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's something in card games that people can often underestimate is, you know, each card has these little unique pieces of art and you kind of like, it adds some cool flavor and then like you move on to the next card. But when you sit down and think about how many original pieces of art, are on a card game like Evan. What's what's our rough total of pieces of art in the in the core set? Do you know that off the top of your head? I, I think like three hundred or something. <laughs> um, but I'd have to take a second look. But it's 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 up there. Yeah, unique pieces for sure. And your art is not it's not doodles. It's pretty intense. Like how long how long does it take you? Would you say to to draw one one character well, card? It depends because. Um, the way I work varies between card. Um, we have a, another guy working with us, Joe, who's a, he's your a childhood friend of yours, Andrew. That's right. Yeah. And he's, he's was here before any of us. And he was, he's responsible for a big part of the look of the game. He's been, he is like a mountain of sketches, like concept sketches for Rangers and creatures and the environment and buildings and vehicles and whatnot. Uh, so one of the, um, most beneficial uh, things I've experienced so far is just taking his sketches and just turning them into illustrations because it takes a bit of the pressure off me to like invent things myself when I already have this awesome sketch and all I have to worry about is making it as cool looking as possible. So um, a lot of our work has been very collaborative between Joe and Andrew and I all through the Kickstarter. And uh, thankfully it's that, um, collaborations continued, um, it's just out of necessity because there's so much work. So, um, when I'm, you know, I could probably turn around one of Joe's sketches into an illustration in maybe like a day or two, um, with feedback and stuff. One of my own from a, I take forever making a composition, like a sketch that I'm happy with. So one of my own illustrations from beginning to end probably takes three days, something like that or more. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one I'm doing right now is actually taking quite a bit of time, uh, and it's it's not a very impactful card. Well, I don't know. It, it is an impactful card, but it's not like a character illustration. It's just like what is a it thing? Uh, it's called Fractal Wire, and it's just nasty. Um, it's what is it called? A feature? It's something that you can encounter along the way, and if you don't deal with it. Um, it can just really end up hurting you and cause a lot of problems. Yeah. Don't tell any of our poor play testers who got hung up in the mountains <laughs> that it's not an impactful card. Evan. <laughs> I'm well, pretty sure fractal wire. All the cards of just like, okay, there's fractal wire, but then there's also like artificer and conciliator, you know? And so, yeah. And like all of our named characters and stuff, which you probably want to put more effort and care into drawing those mm-hmm. than some plant. Right. I will say though, there is a, 
there is like a page long description of fractal wire though. And it has a history and it's like, I don't know what it's creation is, is pretty surprising in the, in the lore. So. And who yeah, wrote that? Be- uh, Sam Stewart uh, wrote uh, a good amount of our background. Um, Andrew, do you want to, this is slightly before my time. So you don't want to talk yeah. about Sam's involvement. We could get yes. Sam on here. Yeah. I think, I think we should bring, you know, everyone on at some point. Um, but yeah, so Sam Gregor Stewart is a guy that, uh, you know, all, all of us worked with, um, at fancy flight games, uh, for a long time and, uh, pretty much right when I started working on the project, um, he became available. So this was like back, uh, the beginning of 2020, um, I think February, 2020, or is it, no. Or was it in January? But anyway, so he ended up getting uh, laid off. Um, it ended up being temporary, and he ended up going going back to to Asmodee in the end. But uh, he uh, he was the role playing game manager at Fantasy Flight Games for a while. Uh, he's written a lot of role playing uh, supplements and core rule books and stuff like that. He's a pretty prolific writer. Very uh, very fast. Um, he's amazing at just getting drafts done quickly. Uh, and he's great to work with because he doesn't mind revising things over and over again. He doesn't have a great attachment to anything that he creates. He's happy to just kind of throw it out there and see where it goes. Um, yeah, and I brought him on board. Uh, I think he was the, he was the, um, the second person I brought on after, well, third person, after I uh, contracted the Saddlers to do the, the core game design. And um, yeah, I just I gave him the, the pitch for the setting uh, over coffee and he thought it sounded cool. And then, you know, we got together, um, every week or so, um, for about a month and a half, uh, right up until quarantine started, <laughs> uh, we just sat in a coffee shop and just brainstormed, talked about ideas. And then he went off and wrote a bunch of stuff. I was like, Hey, I'd like to know like the, uh, ecology of like all these different, uh, places in the Valley. You know, I don't know what animals eat, which animals and what plants, those animals eat and, uh, you know, what insects there are and how they interact with each other. And he, you know, wrote up, you know, what amounts to like, a, uh, I don't know, kind of like an encyclopedia's worth of information about a lot of stuff, like, you know, to Evan's point, like fractal wire, there's, you know, probably about like thousand words about fractal wire <laughs> <laughs> seems pretty inconsequential, but it really adds to the depth of the setting. I feel. Absolutely. What is fractal wire? Fractal wire is like an organic razor wire, um, oh. but uh, that was uh, uh, genetically engineered um, to. Was a, it's like it's like made to protect something. I f- I forget exactly, but um, essentially it can, it like grips you and like digs its barbs into you and then injects you with like a like a neurotoxin. And then just like siphons your life energy out out of you. <laughs> wow, dang. Uh, yeah, but it's, it's it's a pretty it's pretty nasty. It's a organic. It's a plant. It's a plant. Yeah, yeah. Wow. But it's effectively like metal. So, I, I can imagine like figuring out how to how to how to visually represent that could be challenging. Like I th- I, as a visual artist myself, like drawing a guy. That sounds exciting to me, but drawing fractal wire is not really my cup of tea. Is that what you kind of run into, Evan? Or 
Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of pieces that when I look at it on the art needs list that Andrew Fisher created, which is like a lifesaver. Um, I'm like, oh, I don't know about that piece. Like, I don't really want to work on that right now. And then when I eventually start working on it, I find a something about it either in the description or in Joe's sketches or just by happenstance by sketching myself where I'm like, I start to get invested in it. And um, the tricky thing with fractal wires, Joe had so many cool sketches, um, but they were all kind of varied in different ways. And I had trouble deciding like which route to go. And I think what I latched onto was this spiraling quality where there's like these offshoots that spiraled. And that reminded me of the, the namesake fractal wire. And um, so I tried to riff on that, but I changed it became more of like a ribbon, like razor wire uh, with weird prongs all over. Um, it's currently undergoing revisions though. So it's possible that it may change. Um, who knows? <laughs> We're building the world as we go, which is exciting. Yeah, Absolutely. everything we discuss here is subject <laughs> to change. Big old asterisk. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fractal wire talk. Um, <laughs> well, um, I'm curious about um, this guy Joe's involvement. So is he just like an old friend that's just f- happy to just give you all his crazy ideas or how's he involved (laughs) yeah so uh yeah joe is my he's my oldest friend Uh, we've been we've been friends since uh the summer after our sixth sixth grade year um so i'm 47 so that we've been friends for 35 years um and uh like coming up through and we went to college together and yeah we've just we've, we've stayed close um and like through middle school and high school, we'd work on school projects and stuff together. And, and, uh, so we do like these goofy comic books. Um, we did an illustrated version of, uh, the Odyssey for, <laughs> I think we're like a freshman English class or something like that. Um, and, uh, we would like do like little drawing challenges in, 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 uh, or like little, little like drawing exercises in class where we should be paying attention where I, <laughs> you know, I draw something and then I'd pass him a piece of paper and then he'd draw someone like beheading the thing that I made. And then I'd, <laughs> you know, attack his drawing with something else. And we just yeah. kept going back and forth, you know, stuff like that. That's the best. Um, and uh, yeah, super fun. Uh, he's, he's, a, he's an awesome guy and uh, really fun to be around. Um, and yeah, like I, he, he also worked on uh, Starcraft for the board game. Uh, he did some designs for the, <laughs> for our, for our miniatures for that. Um, I didn't know that. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, so I've always just been on the lookout for something that we could do together as adults. And, um, when, uh, you know, I had the idea to do this, uh, to this game, uh, I just immediately reached out to him to see if he'd be interested in, uh, in collaborating and, and contributing. And, uh, he was, so, you know, like Joe is, a he's more, I, I, I always think of him as more as like a, a fine artist than an illustrator. Like he, he does he's a sculptor and a painter and he, uh, has done some gallery shows and, um, he did, did, did a lot of, he, he's done a lot of sculpture, like weird ass sculpture. He has this bird feeder that he made. That's like a corpse of a bird <laughs> hanging in his yard. Uh, <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty messed up. Uh, but it's pretty awesome at the same time. Uh, you know, he just, he gets cool ideas to do weird shit. And, um, 
uh, I think that's part of what I really like of what he brings to this project is that is he has such an interesting imagination um, and such an unconventional approach uh, that um, you know the the art a lot of the art like that old art that he's made you know it's not necessarily something that you'd that you'd publish but it is something that inspires and uh, so uh, it's it's been really cool to see Evan take his stuff. And then, and then build on it. And it's also been really cool because like, you know, Joe's still working on the project. He's still doing concepts and, um, and stuff. And to see how he has grown as an artist, even in this past, you know, year and a half, especially, and especially this past year, we're like working with, um, Evan and I so closely, uh, he's really elevated his game. Um, and just making some really, really cool stuff, really awesome really awesome concepts. I think the, the, the coolest concepts he's made is he's made over these past few months since the Kickstarter. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's Joe. And yeah, we'll have, <laughs> I think we'll, we'll have him on here eventually. I think. Would you say it's, w- would it be fair to say that he's like the um, kind of like the Ralph McQuarrie of, uh, of Earthborn maybe where Ralph McWho? He, is it McQuarrie? McQuarrie? Yeah. McQuarrie. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah. don't know who that is. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, really? It, it just think of any like Star Wars vehicle or like mm. stormtrooper design. He's he's the one that conceived of it. Even if it his original paintings don't look exactly like what the movies show. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's reasonably accurate. Yeah. Well, there's some pieces that um, that he's that are, that are more final now. And we're just essentially he's just passing them off to Evan the color. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I just so have to like stay he, in the lines. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then some stuff too, that's almost, uh, you know, that Evan just takes and almost just draws straight over. So, uh, yeah, his, his, his name will be in the credits on those cards too. That's awesome. So speaking, though, speaking personally, I think some of the most interesting stuff for me to go look back on, you know, we have a file with all of these sketches that were kind of like concepting the setting. Um, you know, as with a lot of creative pursuits, you usually start wide. And as you keep going, you kind of hone in on the thing you want. I love going back to some of that stuff back when they were kind of starting wide with lots of different possibilities and drawing stuff all over the Earthborn setting. There's some really weird alien stuff in there, right? And things that really capture your imagination of like, you know, this this probably isn't in the valley, the setting for (laughs) Earthborn Rangers. It's probably from from some other place, right? And there's these weird dudes, you know, with globes over their heads. Yeah, I was thinking of that one. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, (laughs) who are these guys? What are they up to? Right. It really captures your imagination. Those kind of old, you know, going wide sketches are, those are my favorite personally. Cool. Yeah. That's so a lot of the stuff that I did is, is more of that type of thing, which are the, like, just trying to imagine places around the world. Uh, Just a lot of gigantic buildings half Mm -hmm. submerged in water or uh, Mm -hmm. yeah. I think there definitely is a going to be a, a place for those sketches and those early concepts in the art book for sure. Yeah, totally. <laughs> we could talk about all the NDAs that I sent out tonight. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, so many. Like that was I was amazed at how many yeah. people we have for this round of testing. It's it's bananas. Uh, I mean, like, and you, you, you say that and like, uh, that's only like the first 24 hours of respondents. So, uh, <laughs> so like how, many, said, how many people left? So how, many people do you have? how many people do you have testing the game now? Oh, I, I, I don't know what, what the count was, Andrew. It's like, we, we've got like, 
I um, sent out about 40 NDAs tonight. Yeah, it sounds about right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, great. I mean, it's awesome. So are yeah, people are people playing online then on the tabletop simulator or something? Yeah, we provide both PDFs for people to print if they want or tabletop simulators that people don't have to like waste a bunch of paper or spend like a bajillion hours cutting out cards, you know? And it takes and approximately you... five hours to do it by yourself. Wow. <laughs> wow. Maybe some of those people are listening right now. Um, <laughs> have you done quite a few rounds of play testing or is this the first time? Oh yeah. Yeah. We can, we can talk a bit about uh, our play testing. It's um, so we are just entering wave two, what we calling wave two. I mean, We've been play testing the whole time, right? Like this game has been seeing testing for uh, uh, what year and a half, Andrew? Maybe it, at this point. Yeah. Well, I think I played the first version of the like the Sadler's first iteration of the game in April of 2020. Okay, so almost two years. Um, but a lot of that, you know, that's early prototyping testing, and then a lot of the testing will just be internal with just like the four of us or whatever. Um, uh, or, you know, depending on who's on the team, uh, different numbers of people. Uh, but at a certain point, once the game's ready, we go out to external testing. And so we did our first external testing. So external being people outside of just this team. So that might be backers from the Kickstarter, just people we know in our network, just other people who are interested in like, you know, kind of seeing the game and giving feedback or whatever else. So we went to external testing, um, later last year, uh, and then we're kind of doing stages of testing. So our initial testing was just kind of the foundations of the game. So basically, what are the most foundational elements? Uh, what kind of lays the groundwork? Uh, Earthborn Rangers is an open world game. So it's basically all of the open world with none of like the missions or like special characters or anything. You know, if, if this was to draw equivalent to like Assassin's Creed, we're, we're testing like running around and doing those little side activities and just like making sure the world functions before we layer on story missions and stuff. And so we got through that round of testing and now we are going out to wave two of testing. And that's uh, all the testers we're recruiting right now are for wave two, which is uh, we know we've got a strong foundation in our open world. Now we're going to have people play testing all the different missions they have to do, all the different NPCs they can help and converse with and, kind of test out and figure out where our weird interactions or branching narrative trees are busted uh, <laughs> to make sure we fix it all before release. Mm -hmm. And you have video of all these people playing it so you can know. <laughs> so, they, so they're just going to write a report afterwards and tell you this, yeah. part, this part sucked, this part ruled. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So we, we have like a Discord server where they can all talk about things, but then also um, we create Google Google Forms for each version of the game that go out to people and that they kind of fill out. So we collect a bunch of stats on each of their play sessions so that we can kind of like, I can create spreadsheets that cross compare all our stats and kind of give me quick bird's eye views of how the game is changing. Um, but then we also collect a bunch of like long form written answers about what, the, you know, our, our uh, qualitative feedback about what they're enjoying or not. Mm. Uh, and so I do have to go through all of that. So uh, once playtest feedback starts coming in, there's long hours of just reading, you know, tons and tons of feedback and then trying to condense it down to concrete changes, which is a big challenge. Um, but it's, it's it, in the end, it's invaluable. Not only does it help us hone to see the experience, to help get the experience we want to see, but like uh, in a big game like this, with lots of dependencies, like frankly, 
you know, our first drafts, lots of things are broken or not fun. And we need to kind of like identify all that <laughs> so that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we make sure everything's like working and the best it can be for actual release. Mm-hmm. I, I, I worked on a video game recently and uh, we did we did a round of play testing and not to throw any of your lovely play testers under the bus, but I remember <laughs> reading some of those and and you'll get like one person where you feel like, have you ever played a game in your life? You know, like, <laughs> like I remember one guy was just like, it's just a, it's a basic like adventure game. Like you're a little bulldozer. Evan actually did the the cover art, which is yeah amazing. Oh yeah. I've seen that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, little dozer, a little dozer. He, you know, check it out. It's on itch. Um, it's just an adventure game. Go over there, little fetch quest, talk to that guy, go talk to that other guy. But you know, this great guy music. That, Anders, great, you did the music, right? It's got amazing music by me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, serious. It's awesome. Thanks, Evan. Um, uh, and the game, what'd you think of the game itself? Uh, I, I got to like the first level and that's the, I, there's only one level. W- Okay, well, <laughs> I really enjoyed that one level. I did. I love the little um, collision that you can have with the different things that break under the plow, the oh, rocks yeah, yeah. and the trees. Yeah, it's really a game about just plowing. plowing it's kind stuff of down. it's kind of the opposite of Earthborn. But although I didn't finish the game, so there might be like there's a message like, at the end. That, okay, that was yeah. that was bad. It's kind of like you know you, you're the bad guy, and you you start to realize you're the bad guy, and you wonder why you're having so much fun plowing down all of the the beautiful trees in the game um anyway enough about little dozer but the play the play tester <laughs> the play tester just i mean it just threw me off to have this guy that just it felt like he's never played a game in his life even though he's actually also a game designer but um do you ever get feedback like that where you just do do you you know, do you weed out some stuff that, or do you take the, 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 the outliers seriously? You know, we want to make this game um, so that everybody can play it. Even these confused individuals. <laughs> well, I mean, like uh, it, it's better to have a game that a few people love than that everybody likes. Mm. Um, so, you know, we don't try to make a game for everyone all the time, um, but we do take into account outliers t- to a degree, right? Like you, you only create your average plot with outliers on either side, right? So that there's still an important part of things. And um, don't get me wrong, you can get real frustrated reading some playtest feedback, right? Like their whole job is to find problems with your game. So one, they're pointing out all the ways you've screwed up, uh, and then two, you know, not everybody necessarily uh, delivers feedback in like the most like considerate way, right? Like they might not have had a good last few hours playing your game and they're going to tell you about it and they might not be super kind. Um, And, you know, sometimes you can disagree vehemently with an opinion they have in it or whatever else. Um, So yeah, reading playtest feedback is hard. I like it, it's a skill. So I've been working in game design for over 10 years um, and it's still to this day, gets me steamed sometimes, right? Like I can just get like real frustrated reading something, but it's a skill you build over time. And honestly, like compared to my first few years, like playtest reports would like destroy me. And I'd be like, I am worthless as a game designer, you know, like, or whatever else. Um, nowadays you can kind of take it in stride, right? Cause mm-hmm. ultimately their goal is to help your game. 
right? They're giving this feedback to help the game. Um, even if they're getting a little harsh about it, like ultimately you're going to use it to help the game. So it's a good thing. Um, and so it's way better that they find this problem than somebody who bought the game and is playing it off the final game off the shelf finds the problem. And so you use different techniques, uh, you know, whether you, 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 you work with your therapist on how to, to, to deal with all the negative feedback or like, you know, you, you use this, these other justifications over, over the years, you build these techniques to be able to kind of like, uh, take any of it in stride. Um, mm -hmm. and like, uh, I think it's pretty important for developing a healthy relationship with it because like, I know a lot of game designers who take it too hard and take it too much against their, their self-worth. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, it maybe got a little more serious talking about playtest feedback, uh, than I intended, but <laughs> no, like, it's, it's it, very it's a, interesting it's a hard to me. thing. It's, it's a really hard thing. Well, surely there has to be a way to like punish these outliers, right? Somehow. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we want to reward them and thank oh, them for okay. their feedback. <laughs> yeah. Are you paying them? Um, no. We we are not paying them. All of our playtesters are volunteers. Maybe that's your problem. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Pay them to give you good, only positive feedback. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of deranged person would do that? Tell us our game is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and that won't make a very good game, folks. <laughs> we need that. We need that harsh feedback. Fisher, do you find, do you think that... Uh, I think you and I have talked about this before. Like I, I have a lot of, I have a lot of difficulty um, uh, engaging with people on the internet. Um, I think, I think just because of where I sit in my, uh, in my, my, I'm in that age group where the, I, I remember a time when I wrote letters to people um, mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know, I'd sit down and have like a, like considered, like take the time, write out pages and pages of, uh, of a letter, you know, put it in an envelope, send it, and then, you know, wait for a week and a half. And then, Oh, I got a response back. Oh, that's cool. And then like, that was a very thoughtful, considerate re reply. And, you know, we're engaging on a, on a, on a level, um, that's, uh, you know, obviously very different than, uh, what happens on the internet and where I, I feel like when I, when I finally made that move to the internet to try to engage with people on like a forum. I took that same approach, like, oh, we're going to have a conversation. Like, oh, no, we're not, we're actually not having a conversation here. You're just saying something and, and I'm saying something. You don't care what I actually have to say. Do you, do you think that, uh, Andrew was, was glitching out a little bit. Did you guys see okay. that as well? Yep. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was yeah, all of you or yeah, just you Andrew. Guys froze for, you guys froze uh -oh. for a second. Uh-oh, Andrew, you're, you're, you're turning into a robot here. <laughs> Andrew, maybe log off oh, and no. log oh. back on. Sure, sure. The playtester got a, to him. Your internet connection is, is <laughs> unstable message I just received. <laughs> try, yeah, just try to log back in. We'll see. We got the gist of his question. Yeah, right? yeah I think so. That that him mentioning um, handwritten letters reminded me of my own age. Like I had a friend who is from was from Park Rapids, and he moved to my street um, when I was about twelve. And we, when we became friends, he would go back to visit his family in Park Rapids in the summertime, and he would like write me letters about what was going on in Park there. Rapids. Yeah, it was. <laughs> What was going on? It just came back to me. Wow. 
you had forgotten about him. Do you remember his name? No, no, I I remember him. I just forgot about our, our um pen pal. Yeah, the the pen pal thing, epistolary relationship, Whoa. whatever the word is. <laughs> Whoa, yeah. <laughs> what the hell did you just say? <laughs> That's just a. I think is it's that, a, we have. Should we have you, you can edit the this out? Just edit this whole thing out, right? <laughs> is that a card in the game? The epistolary relationship? Isn't that like a? Yeah. I'm gonna look that word up. I think I'm. I think I'm using it correctly. I you probably are. Yeah, I'm just impressed. Well, There's I no just way. can't. I can't spell it. Yeah, relating to the written or like I gotta read relating to the writing of letters. Wow, epistolary. Man. I never knew you were this smart. <laughs> I didn't either. Just sometimes I mean, I- they just the words <laughs> come into my head and. <laughs> I speak them. We lost Andrew. He's not coming back. Yeah, he's yet. gone forever. <laughs> the playtesters uh, got him. Yep. <laughs> um, well, why don't you tell us about Little Dozer? Little Dozer. <laughs> I, I, I looked it up. It's, you got a, It's got a Twitter. It's got a Twitter. We have a website. That's the other guy in the the horse honey games. That's our our game company. It was just a game jam thing, um, and we, we started working in this uh, framework called Pico Eight. Okay, yeah. Is it? Did you do it for Global Game Jam? Yes, which is coming up. Yeah. And I can't do it because I have a baby. <laughs> Star babies. <laughs> I know. Cramping my style. Hey, Andrew, you're back. All right. I, I it. Uh, I may have been trying to update. Heck yeah. Um, you sound less robotic already oh good yep. the podcast yeah, breaking up anymore you you missed some great podcast content though evan's yeah. <laughs> evan said a gigantic word that blew my mind i was talking yeah, about yeah. it uh <laughs> my epistolary relationship with a childhood friend uh, uh, and andrew do you know what he meant by that pistolary <laughs> pistolary a- no epistolary oh that epistolary e? yeah with an e e yeah hmm I have no idea what that means. I didn't know. I did not know. Of or relating to the uh, writing, I suppose, I guess. Yeah. A pen, pen pal, basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we, were, we were talking about him, uh, <laughs> you know, nice. having this pen pal, and he was just like, my epistolary relationship. And we were both. It's <laughs> little... so weird. Why did I say that? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love learning new words. <laughs> he, he, pra- he, he practiced that entire story earlier. Yeah, it's just... he, he was afraid he was going to sound <laughs> dumb on the podcast. Yeah, I have all these words on my screen in a Google Doc. I'm like, oh, I can use that one. He was like, Ma-. He was... <laughs> I, thought, I thought maybe you just were like, hey, Megan, uh, do you got any good, <laughs> any good words for me? That's hilarious. <laughs> um. So anyway, I think we got the gist of your question, Andrew. You're asking. Yeah, yeah, I can. I, I, I can probably just roll into it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah I think to a, a certain degree, I think growing up on the internet helped. Um, it's funny you you tell the story, Andrew, about like you growing up writing letters and stuff. Because like we would always joking when we we were running the Kickstarter campaign, and like Andrew and I were probably the people replying most, and all of my replies would be like you know standard like. Yep. Yep. That sounds good. There are a hundred cards, you know, like just quick punchy, maybe has punctuation. And then all of Andrew's replies are like, dearest backer, I hope (laughs) this message finds you well. (laughs) (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, um, I think I signed. I sign all my replies. I always say hi to the person by name. Yeah, I, I, I compose them like emails. And I, I bet there is a notable absence of emojis too. Oh yeah, I, I you know sometimes I use an emoji, you know, just in case. <laughs> a little flare. Yeah, Skype, Skype has helped you get used to using emojis. I yeah, think. yeah. Um, yeah. But but yeah, I think that growing up on the internet helped helps a bit. It definitely helps me kind of like move on from what and like uh, not take as much stake in what some other person uh, thinks. Um, that being said, as it relates to like creative work and like game design, I I don't know if it like it helped me that much when I got started. I took it so personally when I got started. Um, I cared so much. I would look up every comment people made about all of my early products. I was working on like um, I worked on role-playing games when I first started, uh, was one of the designers on the Star Wars role-playing game at Fantasy Flight. And I would, you know, and because it was Star Wars, it got a lot of discussion online and I would go everywhere. And, you know, if, if one person didn't like it, it would eat me up inside for the whole night. I just lay in bed and be like, you know, uh, you know, why does new master, you know, 42 <laughs> hate my book, uh, or whatever. And, uh, but so I don't know if it was growing up on the internet as much as just the constant exposure um, to games being played by a large audience over the last 10 years that has really helped me cope with it more than like just being on the internet when I was young. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I, I totally understand where you're coming from. I, as a graphic designer at FFG, I didn't really, I wasn't really exposed to a lot of that harsh criticism. There was times when, you know, that people would take the extra time to, maybe slam the graphic design of a card or something. And uh, I don't know. I, I'm i I'm really anxious about the exposure of the art I'm doing um, to a larger audience because I definitely um, see a lot of my pieces as being somewhat incomplete because of just the time we had to work under uh, to get um, content, visual content for um, the Kickstarter. So... I look at those and that's what I think about when I see them. And that might not be what people register when they look at it, but I'm like constantly like bracing myself for like some, <laughs> some, I don't know, mockery or something. Right. But I'll just and, have to get a thick skin, I suppose. And when, and when someone does point to one of those things that you're already, you know, yeah. harsh on yourself about, it's going to just hit you a thousand times harder because you already am. Yep. You're your worst, <laughs> you're your, your own worst critic or what is the... For sure, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well, and the hard thing is I think there's, I don't know if it's confirmation bias or, but like there's, the negative comments hit you so much harder. You know, we can get, we got so much praise for your art, Evan, on that Kickstarter, right? That Kickstarter looked gorgeous thanks to you. Um, uh, but, you know, like you can get 10 good comments praising you and then one negative one will hit you a lot harder right mm-hmm. and that's yeah, that'll yeah. be the one that sticks in your head and so that kind of bias can can mean that even if you're getting a lot of positive feedback on things you can kind of focus on the negative yeah uh, so I, I think it's it's important sometimes to kind of back up and and, and see what people are are loving about your work mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah that's a good point and that'll make you happy forever <laughs> <laughs> We solved it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's interesting because I've been thinking about the the purpose of receiving not just feedback. I mean, it's 
there's two different things here, I think, not to get too intellectual, but um, what is the purpose of praise? You know, I think we all as creative people are in some way looking for praise. I don't know if, if you guys have ever uh, conquered that emotion and, and done away with it, but I feel as though it's something that I would like to thrive for or strive yeah. for. Um, but like, what is the purpose of praise? And I was thinking back to days when I played in a band. And when I think about those times, I don't remember, you know, the few people after the show that said, oh, that was so good. You know, I'm not like, oh man, I, I remember that show. The praise afterwards was just outstanding. <laughs> it's more, you know, it's like, oh, it was just so fun to play music with those guys. We had such a good time, you know? So I don't know. I wonder if you guys have any feelings about that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, um, you know, when you receive praise, uh, you know, be it from an audience, uh, like a live audience or, you know, it, you're getting, you know, an email from someone, somebody, I think it's like an energy exchange. Um, mm. and it, it feels good. It just has this, like, for me, it has a, it's a very bodily sensation of like, of, uh, of just satisfaction. Like I've gotten some emails from people, you know, since the Kickstarters concluded, like just lovely, um, lovely people who have taken the time to reach out to, you know, say how much they, the, you know, what we're doing speaks to them. The mission speaks to them. Um, and, uh, you know, I get, a, I just, I get a little misty when I, when I read those things, mm. I'm like, oh man, this is awesome. Like, I, like this is, it feels really good to keeps to you that, going kind of, yeah. yeah, to have that validation, but it's also, you know, like to your point about, you know, negative, uh, feedback, um, it's a trap too. Cause, uh, you know, like, like Fisher, like I, you know, um, uh, I, when I was working at FFG in a, in a lot of different roles, I pretty much stopped doing this by the time I became head of studio. But when I was an art director or a graphic graphic designer, um, I would go to, you know, to message boards and uh, read through the comments and, you know, see all the really like positive comments about the art. And I just keep scrolling until I found the one that, you know, shit on it. And then I'm like, ah, <laughs> oh, of course, see, you know, and then like, <laughs> it, I, so it, it, it cuts both ways. And I, I feel like that's your kind of your, your ego attachment to your creation or that, that, that need for external validation that, uh, isn't really real. Um, and I think what has helped me, uh, I think in, in, you know, being creative and like putting out this creative thing that we've made, um, and, you know, putting, you know, my own vision out there for, <laughs> for this setting and stuff, um, what's kind of helped me, uh, I think deal with it a little bit better is, um, kind of acknowledging that I'm more of a vessel for the, for the creation, as opposed to it being my creation. I've, I feel like it's more, I've received this thing, these ideas, and I've taken the opportunity to, to put them down. Um, but they're not mine. Like I've, 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 I've I'm only the vessel. Mm. And I think like seeing it that way, I think helps kind of remove the ego from it. So you don't necessarily get caught up in that, but yeah, it feels really good for someone to say someone nice, something nice. <laughs> to you. I think what? that's just a, that's a very human thing. <laughs> it feels nice. And it's, and it's also not everything, but I like, I like what you said there. I, I feel like I've had that similar thought. It's a very spiritual kind of Zen Buddhist way to to um frame it um 
you know, this, this isn't me. This is just something that my vessel or my body has made. It's almost like you're filtering the collective unconscious to produce something, some unique vision or take on, yeah. on life or something. Yeah. I don't know. And, I if, don't know, and I, if someone doesn't like it, then they don't like God. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like, you know, and I've talked to Fisher about this before. There's been enough things that have happened in my life, some very specific things where like, I feel, and I think you can observe it just in the world. Um, and when, you know, creative projects kind of start to come to life, like there are, there are similarities behind a lot of things that come out around the same time. Um, and -hmm. I feel like a lot of people get the idea for a thing and then they interpret it themselves and, you know, bring their own, uh, put their own spin on it and bring their own experience to it. And it has a different, has its own kind of unique flavor. Um, but I, I think that those ideas come to a lot of people at the same time. And it's just a question of who's going to, who's going to grab it and do something with it. I've had plenty of ideas that I've gotten and like, oh, that's pretty cool. And I just kind of sit on it and don't do anything with it. And then a couple of years later, I'm like, oh, hey, that's that thing. Hey, that's Elon <laughs> I was just going to say that. Yeah. I had that idea. <laughs> yeah. Totally. I was going to make electric cars. God damn it. <laughs> I'll say more about more specifically creative about, you know, like settings or art or design ideas or story ideas, stuff like that. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Anders, I think I was telling you about a killer game idea I had and you're like, oh yeah, that's been done already. <laughs> it was, <laughs> maybe it was you or someone else, but it was, what my was idea it? was, it was like an adventure game and you start out as kids in a village and it's like eight bit pixel level. And every time you progress through the game and the narrative and your characters grow, the graphics get better. And, but, and then to wrap the whole story up, you return to your village and it's like 3d, like, you know, unreal mm-hmm. engine i don't know how mm-hmm. you could create a game like that but the idea a was lot like of time. You, you don't recognize <laughs> the place you came from because you know the graphics are literally completely different i don't think and, that's uh, been done oh well, someone told me i i feel like someone's like simpsons did it you know or, yeah <laughs> <laughs> simpsons have done everything <laughs> no man i know every video game that's ever been made and that is not one of them <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, edit this part out because I'll do it eventually. <laughs> there is a there is a video game called The Messenger where like halfway through it it changes from like eight bit to sixteen bit. Okay, well, that's essentially what I was getting at. But that's not that's just like a small your 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 idea is better. Oh, thanks. That's a pretty cool idea, though, man. We'll talk later. Cool. <laughs> I have a lot of them. A lot, a lot of great video game ideas for you. So <laughs> sure, everyone does actually. <laughs> Speaking of evolving uh, games, Evan, I, I wanted to save this for the for the podcast. I started I started playing uh, Final Fantasy VII. Oh Remake. yes, yeah, oh, <laughs> that's awesome. For for, yeah. for for those of you at home, Evan loves Final Fantasy <laughs> so much. <laughs> I, I was aware of that as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm about uh, about seven hours in oh, to cool. Final Fantasy VII Remake, uh, and I have I've not played the I didn't play the original Final Fantasy okay. VII. Might be a little confusing. Um, uh, no, actually, I I I feel like I I I'm I'm I feel like I'm on top of it. I feel okay. like I know what's happening. There's some weird stuff happening, you know, <laughs> that I that I don't. But I feel I don't feel too in the dark. I feel just properly in the in the dark where you know things will be revealed. Cool. Well, um, there, there's a level of appreciation with the remake that comes of having played the original. There's like some meta things that take place that. Um, have kind of divided the audience, but I think it's okay. really cool. I mean, on its on its face, just in, you know, 
completely like coming out of coming coming at it new and fresh i i i dig it i, I actually i like it a lot more than i expected um i was curious did they change the dialogue at all for that game um, or is it the same dialogue from the original and then they just re-recorded everything or is it uh so i the original game didn't have i mean it had written dialogue but um there's certain lines that are the, the same um as the original but there are other... spoken dialogue even on the ps did ps1 not have that nope. level of no the only uh dialogue <laughs> in the original is during the final boss fight there's like a like orchestral music playing with like latin chanting and stuff <laughs> is that, the, is that the sephiroth sephiroth yeah song? yeah sephiroth's theme. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah i know that one <laughs> well i'm I'm really excited to hear about um, what you think of the the battle system because um, I think it's pretty neat. Yeah, it's cool. It, uh, it sometimes it feels like I'm not quite getting enough feedback on when I'm getting hit and from where because it's just you know numbers fucking flying off of yeah. everything all the time. Um, but uh, but overall, I, I've I've been enjoying it. I. I uh, I, there are times when I'm just like you know running around in circles waiting for my thing to recharge the so I can take, a, take bar, a potion. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I've been in, I've been enjoying it. I like cool. it a lot. Yeah, it's well, got I, it's got cool art. I I <laughs> I don't know about the uh, design of the NPCs though. Like the everyone's <laughs> like all the characters are wearing like these crazy outfits but then like yeah, everyone in town is like dressed like it's like 1995 yeah like i wonder who the main characters are in this hall <laughs> in this alleyway yeah there's a bunch of people wearing brown and like drab gray outfits and then there's like a spiky haired guy with a shoulder pad and a huge sword and like a yeah. gun arm guy yeah <laughs> and, and like they just walk around with those weapons like nothing like oh let's get on the let's get on this train <laughs> Oh, the, the, they're worry worried about, about the the uh, being scanned. So <laughs> their identities won't be revealed. Maybe it's the guy with the Gatling gun strapped to his arm. <laughs> I, I won't. I won't argue with that. That is a little silly, but yeah, it's um, a little I, suspension of disbelief there. But I, I, I'm I'm enjoying it. It's fun. There is uh, one one last thing I'll say about it is what I really appreciated <laughs> about um, the boss battles in that game is they're all they're all three tiered events where you are fighting to get to the the boss to this um, second stage and third stage. And I, I think it has a background in how like manga is structured or something. Mm. Um, But anyways, the, the excellent music and how the music transitions between each phase of the fight is just like amazing. And it only gets better. Cool. Yeah. I don't feel like I've, uh, I haven't fought any giant bosses yet. Like uh, I just met, uh, we're we're essentially like on our way to blow up the the second uh uh reactor the reactor thing. Oh, so you did fight the first boss, the the scorpion robot. Oh yeah, yeah, I did fight yeah. that guy. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, <laughs> ah, you know that's like a that's like a training boss. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that counts. Uh, and then I fought the crazy guy on the motorcycle. Oh yeah, he's in a, he's been added. He's not in the original game. Oh, he's not. No. Okay. There's, there's a lot of extra filler things um, in the remake, but I, I appreciate it all. Um, it just helps enrich the story and then if the narrative. Got and it's, 
they've got to stretch it out. They've got to stretch it out to, to three games, you know, yeah. like the Hobbit. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> well, and, and also there's an effort to um, consolidate all of the lore they built in the greater. Um, I'm spacing on the the word. It's like there's a a body of games that all tied into FF7. There's one for the PSP. There's like a mobile game. Uh, there's a PS2 one, I think. Anyways, they want to take all the lore from all that and just kind of funnel it back into the into their remake to like make it. I don't know a one the truest shop. representation of like mm-hmm. the whole yeah world. So, Gaia, yeah, the name of the sun, yeah. And the Final Fantasy games are not connected, right? Seven is like its its own world. Yeah, they're they're not really connected. There's themes that are similar, and there's certain characters that pop up um, that have similar names and similar roles. But I don't like think there's ever Biggs. been. Yeah, Wedge and Biggs and <laughs> Sid. So there's always a guy named Sid. <laughs> uh, but it's a different guy in each yeah, game. But he's usually like an engineer, airship pilot. <laughs> But there are there are some spin-off games that are uh, not a numbered Final Fantasy entry, but take place in the same world as a number one. Like, mm. yep. Um, if, like there was a one for the PSP called Crisis Core. That yeah, yeah, took that's place yep, yep. Advanced fan, Final Fantasy VII's story a bit. Yeah, and that's one of the games that they're drawing uh, into the remake to you know make it like the I, I don't know what to, how to describe it. The uh, the final <laughs> the final version of the game, the Uber, I suppose, the Uber yeah. Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. Now, now I feel kind of embarrassed that we're spending so much time talking about this game that, like, I'm just obsessed with and <laughs> that came out. No one else two years ago. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually trying to get the uh, platinum or whatever the highest achievement is, the Master of Fate achievement by, um, you know, doing all the extra little achievements and whatnot. Yeah. Well, no, I, I, I've been enjoying like, just going through my library, honestly. Like I had, a, I had an opportunity today to to buy a, a new Xbox. I was like, eh, I thought I wanted this. I'm like, eh, I don't know. I don't have a lot of time to play games, and I still have a ton of games I haven't played just sitting on my <laughs> console. It's more fun to play a brand new game, though. I'm the same way. I have all these games that I, I didn't like that much, but I feel like I should play. You know, yeah, hundreds mm-hmm. of dollars worth of games, but I just yeah. want to like find a new one to play. Right, you're like <laughs> my son, Anders. We, you and I had that experience with Eastward, didn't we? Uh, where oh, it God. was, it really drew us both in, and it was awesome visually. Yeah, and then I just stopped. <laughs> I don't know that why. game. I feel so that's like a sore spot in my life. That game, Eastward. Have you guys ever seen any screenshots of this game or anything? Yeah, it was an RPG that came out a little earlier this year, right? Yeah, Eastward. Or, I guess uh, last year now. It had yeah, it had a it had a ton of hype because the artwork is just amazing. It's like I'd say SNES era pixel art, but it's got really cool lighting effects and it just looks. Mm. If you look at it, it looks awesome. Mm-hmm. Evan and I talked about it. We both picked it up and fell off it within like two days. It's just so. <laughs> It's insane. I don't really love RPG, J- JRPG video games. Actually, I hate them so much. <laughs> but I, I, I have, I have a thing where it seem like the game for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it kind of, it kind of presented itself as more of a Zelda like. So there's more actual combat, and there's no like turn based combat or anything. Oh, okay. Um, but 
I think I've heard that even for JRPG fans, it's insanely dialogue heavy, story heavy, and the dialogue is not very good at all. Um, I, I found it was, I found it extremely boring. I don't know what you what you thought about the dialogue. You're more of an an RPG fan, though. Yeah, I, I was um, waiting for it to to hook me, um, but I, I felt the same way. And eventually, I just kind of I didn't have the I lost the tolerance for it, but it was still, it's a beautiful game. It's, I was impressed by it. Um, you feel like you got $20 worth out of it. Mm. <laughs> that's, I, how I always, I, that's how I always think yeah. about it. I will say that I, I was I, pretty busy with work. Well, <laughs> that game, when that game came out, so I didn't have a much, much time to play it. So maybe someday they'll patch it and just remove all of the dialogue. <laughs> 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 That'd be nice. So, <laughs> Devs, if you're listening, that's what we want. Uh, <laughs> that'd be funny if they're listening to this. Um, <laughs> Andrew, what are you? What are you into these days? Um, Andrew uh, Fisher, sorry. Oh, okay. Oh, Fisher yeah. needs some t- needs some uh, airtime. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I I'm actually uh, I, I I'm ignoring your siren song of the new game, and I'm also plowing through a backlog. Um, I've actually been making a lot of progress because I've been stuck at home uh, after some uh, coronavirus exposure. Um, haven't gotten sick, but got a lot of video games played. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, I think probably the most one of the most interesting games I've played recently, I just wrapped it up, um, is called Inscription. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a game that came out last year. Um, got a lot of talk, so you know a lot of people might be nodding their heads right now. Um, but yeah. It, this is a it's kind of a a card game it kind of starts out um a lot like like a game like slay the spire and is how kind of how it presents itself but with a kind of uh grittier interesting theme and then it goes places from there and uh you don't really want to say much more than that because a lot of what makes the game cool is that feeling of like discovery and exploration as the game gets wilder and wilder and so um but if you haven't checked it out, I and you like card games, and if you're listening to this, since our main game we're working on is a card game, you probably do. Um, I'd really recommend checking it out. It's it's really fascinating. Not only does the story get pretty interesting and cool, but I think they do a lot of really interesting things in the game from a game design perspective. They it's a very simple game up front. Um, the systems design of the game, the core of the game, is very simple. But then they do a lot of really interesting things with. Uh, building onto that and then like twisting it in, in, in weird ways that I won't spoil that really kind of show kind of limits of uh, show how you can push the limits of what we call in game design content design versus the systems design of the core game. The content design is like all the stuff you build on top of it. And this game really does some interesting things with that, that if you're interested in card game design and kind of how that works, uh, this is a very interesting exploration so I, I won't say much beyond that, but I I really enjoyed it. Andres, you were nodding. Did 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 you uh, have you played Inscription? I it's a game that I've played maybe like a half an hour of, and I, I thought it was okay, super intriguing, and I I loved it. And I, I I was thinking the whole time like I need to really get into this when I get into it, and I don't want to stop. And I don't have a lot of time right now with the baby, so I'm planning <laughs> to get into it hardcore. Um, I've just heard so many people talk about how crazy it gets and how cool these secret things that happen are and i, I can't wait i kind of want you to just spoil it for me right now and tell me 
I, I'm not, I'm not going to do that for, for, uh, um, whoever's listening, but, uh, um, <laughs> everybody's it's, played uh, it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Statue of limitation on, on games these days is seven, <laughs> like one week and then we spoil everything. Right. 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 Um, no, it's, it, it might not be for everybody. It, it definitely like it has a vibe and like, you kind of have to get into that vibe. Um, uh, and some of it's, it, 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 some of it is a little like weird, but, uh, it really builds on itself and does some some cool things eventually. Um, if, if yeah, I, I I won't talk about it more. I, I was about to say something, and I'm like, that's that's probably already a spoiler. Yeah, I've I've I, I really want to play that game, but I don't have a PC, um, so I just have to wait for it to come out on either Mac or on a console. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I've I've made the decision I'm going to play that, so I've tried to avoid spoilers. I, I know a little bit, probably enough that I probably don't want to know it, uh, but hopefully I'll forget all about it by the time I actually get to play it. It just changes, right? The colors change. It looks looks different. But still <laughs> right. Right. Yep. It's just filters. Yeah, Blows just... your mind. New colors. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what everyone's been talking about. <laughs> you guys, it starts out really like brown and orange, and then it gets pink, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> See, I'm I'm super pro spoilers. I, I spoil everything for myself. Spoil all the Marvel movies. I spoil all the Star Wars movies. I just I don't care. I can't stop. You hate surprises. <laughs> you don't want to be surprised. Uh, I'm just impatient. I guess I don't know. <laughs> so you just want to see I, how things end, and then you're you're good. I don't. I can't explain it. Okay. It's it's just something that I. It's how I participate in my anticipation for something I'm really looking forward to. I slowly start spoiling it for myself. <laughs> do, do you enjoy the, do you, do you think you like enjoy the movie or game more if you know how it ends first and you see how they get there? Or do you think you're, um, do you think you enjoy it less, but you just can't help yourself? This is pure compulsion <laughs> that I haven't looked into introspectively. So I can't really, I have to spend some time <laughs> thinking about why I do that. Uh, but I don't know. It doesn't really ruin it for me. I still, I think, watching a movie in the theater that I've been anticipating uh, that's it doesn't nothing really ruins that um, I still have like an emotional reaction and um, come away with it feeling like I I experienced the whole thing fully so um, <laughs> mm-hmm. and also it's just kind of fun to read spoilers that are way off base and crazy I, I remember you texting me about Death Stranding you had like read the entire <laughs> plot and while yeah. I was, I was playing it and I was like, you should play this man. You're like, nah, I'll just read the synopsis. Yeah. And it was kind of hard <laughs> to follow. I, I think I might end up playing the game because there's just so much going on in the synopsis that I, I I've already forgotten. Like, well, there's like, I was texting you. There's like hours of just walking from point to point that you can't really experience in just like a Wikipedia page. Just yeah, walking. I, I love that game. Me too. Uh, it was awesome. Um, the ending's awful, but I haven't gotten to that yet. <laughs> oh my god, it's like it's very Hideo Kojima, and mm-hmm. he, it's like he keep, it's like he has you prisoner, and you, you're like, and it, it, he's not there. He can't, he can't hear you. But you're like, I get it, I get it, man. I get what you're saying, and then it's about Go. twenty minutes of that. Yeah, and then he tells you. 15 more times telling you it's like i understand please let me go please um but yeah to me that was the only time that that game really fell down but i uh 
I, I, I really enjoyed it. it. It has a lot of similar things to Rangers, honestly, like that kind of. I was just going to ask you, did that inspire? No, I, in mean, I mean, I was not, no, but it was uh, it, it can, kind of like I was saying how there's that, uh, you know, that, that inspiration that kind of comes that I could feel like it was a similar thread of inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously it was him, him bringing his, his take to it, but that kind of like solitary walking through, yeah. uh, through, through nature. Um, yeah, that, that part of it, um, I think captures, uh, a lot of like what I was, what I was hoping to, you know, with my original thoughts about, uh, Rangers that, that capturing that feeling of being out in nature and, uh, having this kind of like quiet walk, Though I like our game has turned more into like there's like things are popping off all the time. Um, mm-hmm. It's not it's yeah. not a super quiet walk through nature. It's more like similar to Death Stranding. It's not yeah. always quiet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We we don't have quite as many contemplative moments. There's there's a lot more. You know, we, we skip to the interesting parts of your hike where you come across things. Right. Right. Like right. like yeah. Like what do you do in a in a card game? Just you all just sit there with your eyes closed to just kind of slow down the pace. Like, okay, we're walking now. Things have to be well, happening, I, right? There, there was a, there was a concept um, early on when I came on. Um, we were kind of trying to figure out like what is that experience of our path deck, right? And like one of the thoughts I'd had, I'm I'm a pretty big hiker and backpacker myself, is like like just filler path cards were basically like there's interesting things you come across, but then there's just a lot of like more trail, more trail. So you kind of like get almost this like meditative flipping of cards kind of as you simulate hiking down the trail and then you come across something, right? And mm-hmm. then then it's this like, so you, you have that bar of mundanity before you encounter something. Um, but at the end of the day, like uh, the... It takes up a lot of cards, a lot of paper that's not getting like really used for much. Um, And it's, you know, and like uh, we're we're trying to get our maximum value out of the card count we have. Um, And additionally, it was just a lot of like steps that like may have like a meditative purpose for some people, but like for other people is just kind of extra steps in a game that already has a lot of steps. Um, And so in the end, the design that we found the most fun for people was one that kind of skipped to the action. Um, uh, but it did come from this place of inspiration of like hiking through nature. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think we still have you know some of that's still present in the way that the uh, that the the text is written on the cards for certain actions on uh, different cards, like where you yeah. can kind of put yourself in a mo and it you can put yourself there in that like brief moment where like oh, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to soak my feet in this stream. Mm-hmm. And it's just a, it's one little line, um, uh, but I think you know when you're when you're when you're sitting down and playing the game, it's nice to to it, it still has that same effect, I think, that that kind of that kind of calm effect um every once in a while. But you know, there also might just be a a, a lion right at each you <laughs> right right as you're doing that also. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> see, I, I see the cards that pop up uh in the path deck as being like the highlights of the travel. Like yeah, exactly. The the whole path may have taken several hours, but the memorable moments um, outside of just enjoying nature and the walking would be like encountering all the crazy flora and fauna and creatures and whatnot. Yeah. Like it's kind of like the, the summary story of your yeah. day's hike, right? Yeah, like yeah. when I, when I t- told you, told you guys about my trip up to the spirit hiking trail, you know, I tell you about fording the river and, you know, like 
pulling my muscle and, and climbing that bluff, right? I don't tell you about like the two hours I was meditatively hiking through ash groves or whatever, right? Because like, uh, I took, I took uh, 300, uh, 312 steps, I believe. Uh, <laughs> and then <laughs> I paused for a moment. And then something <laughs> happened. I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And that brings us to the end of our first Earthborn Games podcast. It was fun talking to you guys. What do you think? Yeah, thanks for having us. Uh, Yeah, I set this up and (laughs) had you guys over. I hope you enjoyed (laughs) my hosting. Um, So join us. uh, Find us on Facebook. Um, Just look for Earthborn Games. We're on Twitter at Earthborn Games. And you can even email us at info at earthborngames.com. Guys, uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks. Um, This was our trial episode you know this yeah we're trying out some different things so definitely reach out on those social channels and you know let us know what you liked hearing about or if you have questions for us that you'd like us to talk about or just other topics you think would be interesting for us to cover and discuss on the uh on this podcast let us know um it'll really help us kind of inform and, and figure out kind of what we want this thing to look like and only positive feedback please yes <laughs> glowing reviews please (laughs) all right guys uh we'll see you next time thanks everyone